fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Podcast. Good day to thee and welcome to the podcast. Here's what we've got lined up for you this week. Hi, I'm Mark Wass from Cloud Blue, and I'm going to be on the show discussing everything as a service and how managed service providers and service providers out there can provide services to their customers as a subscription and they can start moving and move, turn into them um, aggressive digital service providers. So on top of that interview with Mark, we're also talking about how you can get free publicity in your local media. And I've got three specific ideas to give to you later in the show. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. The question I'm going to ask you next kind of depends on where you are within your day. I have no idea what time you are listening to or watching this podcast, but my question is this. How productive have you been today? And I ask this because I'm recording this podcast towards the end of the day. It's around about, it's quarter to six on a Thursday evening as I record this. And I've had a very productive day today. And one of the reasons I've had a very productive day is because I've moved around to what I think is more locations than I've ever moved around before. You see, I don't know about you, but I find that when I'm in the same location all the time, I kind of get almost like an itchy bum. I need to just move and I, I, my mind get, gets clogged up. It's like I'm stuck in this place and I'm unable to produce an amount of work. And I've noticed that that tends to last, well, I tend to get around about 90 to 120 minutes. So up to around two hours in one location before I need to move. Now, back in the old days when I had an office and a building with staff, I was exactly the same. If I look back now, I used to go and sit in uh, in my office for a couple of hours and then I'd move to the meeting room and then I'd move sort of out into the office where the team were. That didn't last very long because obviously they got, you know, they were talking to me. And then so I'd go and find a coffee shop somewhere. And looking back, actually, for the last 10, 15 years or so, I've I've been pretty much the same where I've needed to move around. Now, it took me a few years to realize that it was the refreshing of my environment that helped me keep my productivity high. Now, maybe this is just me. This is the danger of doing something like this in a podcast before you discuss it with other people. You might not be like this at all. I might just be one of those really weird people who kind of needs to wander around a lot. But if I sit in the same place, in the same environment for too long, then I don't get as much done. And actually that happens across all of my life. I find myself moving around into different environments all the time. So I have a home office. I work from home, but we've still got the builders in. Yes, I have been talking about it for months and they're still here. The progress has just slowed to a, uh, to a ground to a halt. And so I can't, couldn't work from here today. So I dropped my daughter off at school. And then the first thing I did was I went to Leon. Leon is a like a, a little chain in the UK. I had breakfast at Leon. That was great. Nice, healthy breakfast. Did a couple of hours there. Then I moved over to a Starbucks just across the way. And then later on, I moved to another Starbucks, a different one in the city. And then I moved to, and for those in the UK, you're going to judge me on this, but I moved to a Weatherspoon. Don't judge me on Weatherspoons. Weatherspoons is basically a, a pub chain in the UK that people have quite an opinion on. But hey, it cost me £1.45 for unlimited tea and coffee. And their Wi-Fi was fast enough to upload some videos. So that couldn't have been a bad thing. And then what did I finish off today? Oh, I finished at a Costa 
Coffee, which is another coffee chain. So I moved around all these different locations before I had to pick up my child from school. And it was like each time I got there, you know, each time I had a deadline. Maybe this is the secret to this. It was a deadline of things. So at one of the locations, I had 90 minutes of parking because that's all you get for free before you need to pay. So that was like a frenzy of 90 minutes. I ordered my coffee, frenzy, 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 get work done, get work done, boom, and then I'm off to another location. And each time I get to that new location, I pick a new spot, I'm in a different chair, I've got a different desk, sometimes it's my laptop on my lap, but I've changed my environment. And actually, for me, a hell day is being stuck all day in the, let's say it's a day of doing Zoom calls or something, I'm stuck all day in the same environment. And I don't just find this with sort of day-to-day working. You know, sometimes I try and completely change my environment, like I'll go and spend 24 hours in London, which is only kind of like 45 minutes away on the train for me. But if I can go and spend a day in London and maybe even have a night staying over in London, if I can find somewhere to get rid of the child for the night, it's amazing how much work I get done because I've completely changed my environment because I can work of an evening. I'm not in my house. I'm sat in a pub having a beer that will last me two hours getting work done. And I find that this is really good for productivity. How are you with this? Do you have exactly the same thing? Do you have a point in your afternoon where you kind of run out of energy? Maybe, just maybe, it's worth at that point trying to get out of your office. What if after lunch every day, you just left your office and found yourself a coffee shop or a hotel lobby or a restaurant somewhere? You could just go and work and spend the couple of pounds or the couple of dollars on a coffee or a Pepsi or whatever and just Pepsi Max, Diet Pepsi, we mustn't have sugar, uh, and just spend the time working on your business. What if that got you through that energy lull of the afternoon? What if the energy lull was actually an environment lull? This might not be you. As I say, this might be a completely off, you know, out there thing for me. But I've certainly found that changing my my environment regularly makes quite a difference to my own productivity. It's kind of the same thing when you go on holiday, isn't it? You know, when you get away, you do the, the whole airport thing, you get to your holiday home and that first 24 hours, you're kind of trying to unwind from not just the stress of life, but the stress of travel, because traveling is quite stressful because of deadlines and queues and security. But actually, you know, once you've got past that first 24 hours, you, you're in a different environment and you start to think differently. That's when often you'll find that your, your life partner says to you, you know, oh, I, I like going on holiday because that's when I see the real you again. It's that person that they fell in love with years and years ago. It's kind of comes back again during a holiday because you relax a bit, you change your environment. And do you find this as well, that you start thinking better thoughts about your business? You start thinking in different directions. You start thinking bigger. This is the power of being in a different environment. It's why I'm so keen for everyone, all MSPs, you and everyone else listening to this to take more vacations, take more holidays. But we can do this on a mini basis by changing our environment and where we work today. Go on, try it. Let me know how you get on. Here's this week's clever idea. If you've been a listener or a viewer of this podcast for some time, and if you have, thank you very much for sticking with us, then you might know that I haven't always been a marketing guy. I actually started my career at the tender age of 19 as a newspaper reporter and then went on to have a 10-year media career. Most of that spent within radio. I adored working in radio. It was just like local commercial music radio, but I met some great people there and just had such great fun. And for 10 years, it was awesome. And then it stopped being awesome 
awesome, so I stopped doing it. But because of that media background, because I am actually a formally trained journalist, which I think is hilarious still to this day, it's, uh, it's for me, one of the marketing channels still that you can use to promote your MSP is your local media. Now, sure, when I was 19 back in 1995... I appreciate the people listening to this who probably weren't alive in 1995. Anyway, when I was uh, starting as a journalist in 1995, you know, your local newspaper, your local radio station, they had massive audiences. In fact, they controlled the eyeballs and the ears. If you wanted to reach people, decision makers, back in the 90s, you had to pay the magazines or the newspapers or the TV or the radio stations or some other distribution because all of the distribution was controlled by the media companies. And now here in 2023, well, the distribution is in our hands. So we still have these newspapers and radio stations. There aren't quite as many of them. They're certainly not taking anywhere near the amount of money they used to take and definitely aren't making the amount of profit they used to make, but they are around. And what's still good about local media is not distribution, it's credibility. You see, if your local newspaper or your local radio station or TV station talks about you or mentions you in the context of technology or cybersecurity, this is amazing positioning. Because even though they no longer have anywhere near the reach that they used to have, they still have the credibility. In our era where anyone can publish anything at any time. The fact that you've got these 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50-year-old brands, the newspaper and the radio brands, still putting out content, they have huge amounts of credibility. So if you can get into your local newspaper, that's a massive thing for you. Now, the easy way, well, not the easy way, but one of the ways to get featured by your local media is to send them a press release, also known as a media release. Why would you do this? And by the way, I'm about to give you two or three great ideas, specific ideas that you can use. Why would you send something out as a press release? Because actually, that's how the vast majority of media gets its stories. People perceive that journalists are out they're sniffing out stories, looking for things. And yes, there are still some journalists who are investigating or writing features. But certainly nowadays now, you know, there's so much pressure on reporters, on, on writers to output tons of content. It's just easier for them to use media releases. And they will look at the stream of media releases coming in and they will rewrite some of those. They will get people for interview off the back of those. They don't necessarily tell you that they're doing it, but it's just an easy source of of news. And to a certain extent, when you're sending out a media release, a press release, you're playing the numbers game. You know, when I worked in the media, we would get hundreds and hundreds of press releases a day. And you might get a press release once every month from the same company. And for the first four or five months, you might completely ignore it. And then suddenly, one day, a press release turns up from that company on a day where you have nothing to write about. And believe me, those those days happen. They're called slow news days. It's where there just doesn't seem to be anything new to write about. And then a press release turns up and it's about cybercrime and it's from a company that you know is local because they send out press releases on a regular basis. And there's a little thing at the back of your brain as the journalist that says, oh, you know, I think I could, I could turn this into something. Because you're, I'm not going to use the word desperate, but you're very keen to generate new content. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three specific headlines. So they, these are press releases that I have written in the past 
for members of my MSP Marketing Edge service. Every month we give our 700 members all around the world, we give them a specific press release with instructions how to send it to their local media. And the whole point of that is, as I say, it's to get the local media to write about you for credibility purposes. Once you've had something in the local newspaper or on their website or ideally on the local radio station, you can take a copy of that. You can use that in other pieces of your marketing. You can say, as seen in this newspaper or as heard on this radio station. You know, subject to copyright laws, and there are different laws in different countries, you can take a copy of that. You can put it in your marketing materials. You can certainly link to their website or take a screenshot of their website and you know put that on your About Us page with a link to say, hey, we were in the so-and-so newspaper last week, go and see us here. That coverage is not going to get you a huge amount of tension. It's certainly not going to win you a new client. Some of your existing clients may comment on it. They might they might say, oh, we saw you in, in you know, so-and-so newspaper last week. But the principal goal of this is credibility. It's part of your domination. You've got to dominate your local market. And that's a subject we're going to be talking about in the podcast in a few weeks' time. But let me give you three headlines. So these, as I say, these are real headlines from real press releases I've done in the years past for my MSP Marketing Edge members. And I'll just explain what you would do with each story. So the first one is this. So this is the headline. It's the headline of the press release, which means that when you send it out to the journalists, because a press release is just something you email out, this is what goes in the subject line of the email. So they get an email. This is the subject line. They open it up and then you sort of tell, you you write the story. Essentially, all a press release is, is a story suggestion. You're suggesting something to them. So the first headline is this. Don't click that link link. Town name businesses' biggest risk is cybercrime. Let me say that again for you. And of course, this is on the transcript. We have a transcript on our website at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Just go to the podcast section and look for this episode, episode 177. Here's the headline again, though. Don't click that link. Town name businesses' biggest risk is cybercrime. So it's fairly self-explanatory what this is. It's telling the audience how big cybercrime is. Now, you might listen to that and think, well, come on, Paul, surely everyone knows that. But they don't. How many times have you sat down with the prospects and talked to them about security and they're not even doing the bare minimum? That happens on a regular basis, right? So I think we can generally agree that the audience that you are trying to talk to, the general business owners and managers out there, they really are not as aware of cybercrime as they need to be. And I would argue it's part of your role as a prominent MSP in your town to you know, educate people about this. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one, and this is something you can use at Christmas or just before the holidays in the summer. Uh, and I'm, this is the Christmas version of it. Christmas data disaster, colon. Town name businesses should triple check backups before holidays. You can see how you'd use that. You could use that before like the summer vacations as well. Christmas data disaster. Town name businesses should triple check backups before holidays. Again, this is kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? Where people go off for the holidays. There might be a flood. There might be a fire. There might be they might be burglarized or burgled, and suddenly their main computers have gone. No worry, they say, because we've got a backup. Oh, we haven't backed up since January. That's not the right time to to find that out. Can you see what we're doing here? Is we're taking almost boring everyday occurrences that are routine for you and we're turning them into news stories because this is based on the principle 
as I said, that the average business owner or manager you want to reach, this isn't every day for them at all. Right, final suggestion for you, and this is the specific headline that I uh, that I wrote. Uh, world's worst password, and then you put this in, inverted, in, in speech marks, inverted commas, you say world's worst password, one, two, three, four, five, six, still being used by staff in town name. World's worst password, one, two, three, four, five, six, still being used by staff in town name. Now just go and Google password, one, two, three, four, five, six, and you will find the latest research which shows that it is still one of the top used passwords. Now, I, I don't know that, but I think I've used that press release headline about four times over the last six or seven years because every time you go and look at the, the sort of the list of the top 10 uh, weakest, most used passwords, one, two, three, four, five, six is always in there or some variant of it. And obviously what this press release, this story suggestion allows you to do is it allows you to talk about weak passwords and talk about random password generators and talk about password managers. And again, ordinary business owners and managers don't know as much about these things as you, as, as you think or you or I think might think that they do. So you've got three specific ideas there. They're great ideas. Get them off to the media. Don't overthink it. You're not being a pest. They want your story suggestions. You'll only be a pest if you ring them up after every single press release to see if they're going to use it. If they're going to use it, they'll just use it. They won't let you know. But what you can do, of course, is set up a Google alert for your MSP's name. And often that's the first way that you find out that you've actually got yourself some valuable media coverage. Paul's, Paul's blatant, plug. blatant plug. In that last bit, I mentioned the MSP Marketing Edge and how we give a press release to all 700 plus of our members. And you might be thinking, but Paul, surely that means that you've got people, the same people sending the same press release to the same newspaper. Well, no, we thought of that because right from the very first day that we launched that service, we only supply it to one MSP per area. Once you have it in your area, no one else can use that so long as you remain an active member. All the details are on the website. Go and have a look now and you can check. In fact, there's a postcode and zip code checker to check to see if your area is still available. MSPMarketingEdge.com The big, big, big interview. Hi, my name is Mark Wass and I'm the Northern European Sales Director for Cloud Blue. And thank you so much for joining me on this podcast, Mark. Now, the first thing I want to ask you is, what is Cloud Blue? Because it kind of sets context for all the conversation we're going to have. So tell us a little bit of background about the business and also what you do within Cloud Blue. Cloud Blue are a uh, digital ecosystem and catalog service provider. So at our core, we're actually a platform service provider. And what we actually do is we provide the underlying technology that um, allows businesses to launch B2B digital marketplaces for them to transform into essentially digital service providers and provide services to their customer uh, as a subscription-based model and anything as a service. So Cloud Blue actually formed, we actually are part of Ingram Micro and our technology actually underpins the um, Ingram Cloud Marketplace, which is actually the largest cloud marketplace globally. Uh, and our technology allows them to service all of their customers within their cloud marketplace globally. And our technology is where Cloud Blue um, were formed in 2018 through a number of different acquisitions. And I head up the Northern uh, European Territory for the strategic sales team. And I lead that as the, um, as the sales director for that team. 
Okay, cool. There's lots of big words in there. And uh, when, when we hear things like digital platform, I never like to assume anyone understands what that means. Actually, the, the link to Ingram Micro uh, makes it makes it clear because I think everyone knows what the um, what, what the sort of the, the shop offering is is there, um, or certainly here in the UK anyway. So just explain for me, for, for the average MSP, what, what do you do for them and what, what's the benefit for them of, of using your services? What's the outcome they would get from that? So if a managed service provider is looking to um, transform themselves and to grow and scale and sell more digital services to the likes of Microsoft licenses, AWF subscriptions, Azure subscriptions, um, cybersecurity, it allows them to sell them in a, to their end customers in a completely automated way. So uh, at one end, you have a catalog. So a catalog of services and allows an MSP to expand and the, 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 the briefcase, if you like, so when they open the briefcase, all the services that are able to be sold to their to their customers, it allows them to sell them in a completely automated way as a subscription. So at the other end, you may have the, the marketplace side of our platform, which is the nice front end where their customers can go in, they can see, they can buy, they can procure services, um, whether that's buying them directly or, or being brought on behalf of their MSP and um, buying them for them. And essentially, all of that management piece in between, so the subscription, the billing, the invoicing, the metering. So where the real value comes into this, if an organization is looking to sell digital services and bundle their own IP together, uh, as, a, as a total solution, as a managed service provider, it allows them to do that and, and removes the complexity because what managed service um, providers and what tends to happen is as you try and grow and scale, it gets extremely complex to manage all of them subscriptions and manage all of them, all of them customers uh, as one go. And I think just to kind of summarize that as we're seeing the, the markets change, we know that customers now are very demanding. They want everything, uh, they want it on demand. They want they want to go up, they want to go down, they want to turn it on, they want to turn it off. And our platform allow, essentially allows you to do that um, and by removing that overall complexity for the MSP. That makes perfect sense. Thank you for explaining that. But let me play devil's advocate on this. So I'm not an MSP. I'm not a technical person, uh, but I speak to so many MSPs and work so closely with them. I know that, and I don't mean this to be offensive to ordinary business owners and managers, but sometimes the average business owner or manager, so the people that MSPs serve, you could argue they're not yet sophisticated enough about technology to self-serve. So essentially to use a platform like this to buy services. What, what kind of things do, do you put in place or do you recommend for MSPs to, to help them help their clients to self-serve, to, to even know what they should be buying from these kind of platforms? I mean, look, that makes sense. And, and typically I have seen this with customers in the past and the, and the previous organization I work with, with inside the managed service providers, it's, it's almost a cultural shift as well. So not only for your customers, but also internally as well in terms of how you service in your customers. So typically, you may have an account manager. They pick up the phone to you and they say, hi, I would like to order X, Y, and Z. And it's quite a manual, um, uh, you know, labor-intensive process from you know, creating quotes to drawing up contracts to having them sign, for example. So what customers typically tend to find is it, it doesn't necessarily completely switch over to their clients having to do everything self-serve but what it does do is it brings in the ease of which you can procure new services for your customers in terms of that automation piece because now 
as as the market has changed and it's very much moved away from the traditional kind of huge capital investment right up front, a multi-year contract, for example, where they're signing everything in day one, it's all set, it's all good to go. They pay their, you know, they pay for three years a yearly in advance, or they pay for a three-year contract. As contracts are changing now, and they're going to uh, as a service, if you like, or monthly subscriptions, that's where the kind of the usage and the up and down is ever changing. So that's where the the real benefit of the platform is because all of that is completely automated. So if a customer is buying one thing um, from month to month, it can change and it can and it can move with them. But I think the, the interesting point there is you wouldn't necessarily even even with the technology as a managed service provider, you wouldn't necessarily on day one expect all of your customers to then go in and start using it as self service. It allows that to, to to a point when you get there for your customers, but it's just a, it just a, it allows you to start selling your services as that subscription based month to month, moving everything to an operational cost and that kind of on demand for the for the services they're buying from you. You make some really interesting points there, which is MSPs are operating, you could argue, at the edge, uh, you know, the cutting edge of technology. And yet they still expect people to pick up the phone and call them and speak to an account manager, which is, you know, that's that's the 1972 way of, of doing things. That's a really good observation. And actually, it ties in to a number of conversations I've had recently with big thinkers in the channel about how being a strategic partner is is the only well is is one of the main routes forward with, for MSPs. So if you look at what the average MSP does today, and you say right, let's jump ten years. So was that twenty thirty three? Are we still going to be doing password resets for people on their three sixty five? And the answer is no. There's going to be AI to do that, or it's going to be a, a lot easier to self serve yep. because that's the way things are going. However, those business owners are still going to need strategic. In fact, they're going to need more strategic advice. Than ever before, and of course, security is likely to be a, a, a massive headache for, for decades to come because it's it's a, it's a never-ending escalation of weapons on on either side. So, if you were to put your Mystic Meg hat on and look into your crystal ball, because obviously your your world is this as a service, it's, it's selling things in a more hands-off way. What kind of changes do you see for MSPs over the next, let's say, ten years or so? I think the big thing is I think you're, you're possibly going to see more um, organizations trying to turn into an MSP because what's essentially happening over the last number of years is you're going from them being product selling to solution selling and, and almost becoming an MSP. So, you know, custom companies are almost, they're, they're trying to become leaner, they're trying to reduce costs and that's all types of business essentially and that's what they're trying to do. So if anything, over the coming years, I, I see this kind of automated subscription as a service market growing and accelerating. I think, you know, you only have to look at the way the world's going already and this is ne- isn't necessarily B2B, but B2C from a, you know, you take BMW, for example, they are moving to a subscription-based model within their offerings because now you're not you're buying a car with everything on it at the start, but you're paying for your heated seats just for the winter months, for example, mm-hmm. and you can turn that on and you can turn that off. Um, similarly with um, things like Peloton almost, for example, you're paying for your fitness goals now as a subscription. And if it's not meeting their needs, then you're going to switch that off as well. So if anything, I do see that accelerating. And organizations having to be able to uh, adapt to that, to be able to the capture the margin, if you like. So selling, selling 
bundled solution. So as 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 the consumer demands a one-stop shop, if you like, for all of their services, certainly from an IT perspective or across the business, it's not only IT, but as the demand for these services um, grows from uh, that, again, I mentioned it again, but that subscription base or as a service, as the whole world kind of takes this up, that's where I see the market going. Um, definitely, certainly accelerating there. You're right. When when you know staid car manufacturers like BMW, great cars, but the you know it's hardly a dynamic organisation. When they jump in and start figuring out, hang on a second, we could charge people more money. We could charge them a subscription fee to to turn things on. That's there hardware wise. It's in the car. I just need to pay to switch it on. And I, I think you know if as consumers we're we're getting used to that, and there is a general acceptance of it. I know people grumble a bit about it, but there is a general acceptance. I think you're right. B2B wise, that's definitely where we're going. Okay, Mark, thank you very much. I think we need to get you one of those guests. We need to get back on the show every year just to see how things are changing and, and track hmm. and, and look at the, the future trends. Uh, you've been a great guest today. Thank you so much. Just briefly tell us again about Cloud Blue and how can people get in touch with you? So uh, www.cloudblue.com. But also you could uh, you can reach out to my uh, sales at cloudblue.com if you were interested, but happy for people to reach out to me direct. Um, so mark.was at cloudblue.com. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, my name is Mark Copeman. I'm the author of MSP Secrets Revealed and Help Desk Habits. And the book I'd like to recommend uh, is this one here. It's called The Power of Moments. It's by Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, properly inspiring. It, it's all about uh, creating extraordinary moments for your customers. There's a particularly good example on there, which I've spoken about around the world, uh, about uh, the Magic Castle Hotel and how they've done so well uh, despite being a very, very average looking motel. There's a lot of brilliant stories in there and it can be absolutely applied to your MSP business. Coming up, Coming up next week. Hello, my name is Tony Sollers and I'm an MSP and I won. I get to have a one-on-one -on -one marketing edge console with Paul Green. And Tony has indeed won for our Easter special next week. We are going to deep dive into Tony's business, look at how he generates clients, and we're going to put together a brand new marketing strategy for him. I will do this in a way which will be relevant to you as well. It's a marketing strategy deep dive, a one-on-one -on -one with an MSP owner, and it's here on next week's show. If you need something to do in between now and then as you're taking some time off for Easter, we've got content every day onto our YouTube channel. Just go onto youtube.com slash MSP marketing. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP, MSP Marketing Podcast.